Today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free by visiting ZipRecruiter.com slash real. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week. Real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things. And maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. What's up, guys? I'm Jeff. Welcome back to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about faith, culture, and answer your questions. Special treat for today, as you guys know, in October, we're doing kind of a fun series where I'm going to interview some of mine and Alyssa's uh, friends, mentors, people from afar, people up close, people that we love and look up to. Um, and ask them about and kind of see how they are escaping the hustle, saying no to hurry, how they live a deep, faithful, flourishing life of following Jesus uh, when that takes swimming upstream in our culture. Today, that is Jenny Allen. Jenny, we are so stoked you are here. Thanks for being on. You bet. Hey, Jenny, everyone, I mean, let's just, you know, unless you live under a rock, most people know If Gathering, most people know you, but if you wanted to give the quick 30-second version to someone who maybe doesn't, how would you kind of describe who you are and what you do real quick? Sure. So I am a mom, and I have four kids that are everywhere from 19 to down to 11, and Zach and I live in Dallas, Texas, and I get to lead an organization called If Gathering that disciples women. And we get to do that all over the world. It's really special. Lots of leaders all over the world lead our tools in their places. And I also am a writer and a Bible teacher. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And and that, that just gets us right into what I want to talk about. Because um, when I think of you and Zach, I think of faithful, almost elder beacon-like figures in the American Christian church that li- live so faithfully, so well. Um, and just are so, so um, sold out to Jesus, but just faithful to constant daily obedience. I think you guys do mm-hmm. that so well, being spirit-led. Um, but here's here's my thing. I mean, so people listening, you know, Zach's got, you know, big financial job, tech, kind of that whole sphere. You obviously yeah. leading a huge nonprofit ministry. Uh, Zach coming alongside helping that. You guys have four yeah. kids, you know, in adulthood, <laughs> high school. So that that's a season that's just like basically... On paper, your guys' life should be absolute chaos and hustle and hurry. Just at the peak, like you can't, I don't think you can have something uh, more work pressure than you guys, kind of more family pressure than you guys, some of these other things. So how, just off the bat, um, talk about that. Maybe what's your snap reaction to what's the first (laughs) thing you feel like protects you guys from that? Sure. So you're right. I do think that this is, you know, the the number one question I get is how do you do it all? And I I don't. I have a lot of team. And I try to say that as often as I can publicly because I never want to give people um, a wrong impression that mm. any human could do all this or accomplish all this without a lot of support and help. And by that, I mean we have support on every level. And we have built our lives around the simplest lifestyle you can imagine. 
So we literally moved into the same neighborhood with Zach's entire family. Our kids all go to school within a mile. Um, we, we started in Austin seeing our world break apart and our kids needing different schools. And we just said this, this lifestyle is not going to work for us. And so we made a very intentional, dramatic, um, quick move six week period to Dallas, Texas, where we could do life in a mile radius. And I know that sounds silly because it's a big city, but Dallas is actually a lot more convenient than Austin. Um, you can yeah. kind of find your little part and and live in that part. And and we've made a ton of intentional choices so that our life outside of our callings is as absolutely s- as simple as it can possibly be. And mm. And we also are those parents that our kids are not in multiple sports at any time. Um, we make choices. In fact, Kate is really funny. She's a really fast runner, but she's not running track her senior year because she said, honestly, and she tells everybody this, I want to spend time with my mom. I want to go on the road with her and I want to hang out with her. And wow. we are those parents that do not value achievement above relationship. We really believe that time together trumps every other thing in life. <laughs> and so mm. we build a lot of that. And we are very protective of our schedules. And so every year we sit down with our calendar and we make big decisions together. But our default answer is no to absolutely everything, to every speaking engagement, to, in fact, I don't even hear about every speaking engagement we get. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year, sometimes I'll I'll ask to see the list of the ones that people said no to for me. And you know, my heart breaks a little. I'm like, I can't believe we said yeah, no to totally. that. But but I couldn't handle that many no's in my life. And so we had to build kind of structures that protect me. So there's a lot of intentionality that goes into our life not being insane. Oh, man, you just said like seven things that are making all the bells go off for me. But that let's start with that last one, because I think that one is... Yeah. Um, um, really important. So I taught, it's funny. You said you even literally use the phrase that I think is like the subheading in the chapter of my book where you said our <laughs> default answer is no. And I think that's yeah. what, uh, I think I made the subheading and, and I go on, I talk yeah. about this whole section of like, um, you know, most people's default answer is yes. And what we mean by that is most people, when they get asked for any level of commitment, relational, you know, dinners at places or whether it's some type of activity or whether it's a school function or whether it's work, most of us, if it's, we kind of have to argue ourselves out of it, right? We say yes, and then we have to convince ourselves to not. Um, when I think, especially with where culture is at, there's just, there's more demands being able to be put on anyone just because of our reachability and tech and all these different things. So like you will, that's a recipe for disaster. It should be the opposite. You have to be convinced to make something a yes. I think not convinced to make something a no. Um, and yes, that means saying no to things that actually, like I say this in the book, I think like, unless you're saying no to things that actually hurt, you're probably not saying no enough, you know? Um, yeah. whether that's big trips or whether that's something with the kids or whether that's, you know, whatever. So how, but when, when the rubber meets the road, how do you do that? Because here's, here's, um, you know, launch team people are already reading the book and I'm getting good feedback and they're, they're loving that part, but then saying like, but how do you know then when the rubber meets the road, if you should say yes or no or not, how do you know that you're not saying no to like the Lord wanting to stretch you or the Lord wanting to take you on that one? Or, um, so how do you then kind of take it one step deeper on, um, what you say yeah. yes to and what you say no to individually or as a family? Okay, so I have a grid that everything goes through. So I know what my gifts are and my best contributions to any 
you know, event or environment would be. I know that for me, showing up in a random town, speaking at a random church is not the best use of my gifts. And the reason why is because I am a part of a community with if gathering with my local church with, um, you know, even for a long time, it was pastor's wives. There's a lot of things that are more important to me than just showing up in a random town. And so um, we made radical changes. In fact, I just mm. started saying no to every speaking event because it it wasn't feeling like, well, I, I mean, I could go off on this, but I think they probably should have local teachers, like more women should be using their gifts locally. Yep. And then also I was leaving my kids, the cost and how many people I was reaching were not in line with the cost. Does that make sense? Mm, so, yeah. you know, you we'll and I, we're going to go on the road soon together. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go on the road soon. We'll be, we'll be, you know, a big crew of people are going on tour together and we're going to be away, you know, maybe 10 nights from our families. But in that, we'll meet, we'll go to 10 cities and we'll talk yes. to thousands and thousands of people. And so I had to find a new way to do it so that the cost, if I'm, if I'm viewing my life as limited in energy and limited in capacity, then I have to figure out how to be away and and from my kids who I love, by the way, it helps that I like them so much. It's like, <laughs> I genuinely do not want to leave them. I like yeah. them so much. And so I have to figure out if I'm going to be away, what is the what is the win for the kingdom? And sometimes it really is a small group. In fact, I just did a brunch um, for African-American, uh, which I don't know how I got asked to do this. It was like the greatest event I've ever done. I loved it. It was only, <laughs> you know, probably 200 women in and it was, but they were all African-American women's ministry leaders. And I'm like, heck yes, I'm saying yes to that, you know? So there's sometimes that it's just so compellingly clear that it that it hits a felt need or the, the reach in the investment is right. But for most of us, it's just being willing to say no. And then when that yes comes, you kind of all know it. So Zach yes. makes all my decisions. So everything goes through him. And he will say, yes, it sounds like a good one. Or he'll he'll say, Jenny, you need to do that. And and sometimes it's just something that's going to fill my soul that he knows I would love. So it's not like we always, always, always say no. Obviously, we say yes. yes but it's usually, it's, it's a no unless for some very compelling reason it's a yes. And then I get to check that through my husband who knows the patterns of our home, who knows how our kids are doing. And that sure helps, just having submission to somebody that is accountable to God, really, yes. for how we spend our time. Well, that's so good, because I love how you ended that, because there's kind of two tensions that I think, because sometimes people hear the make your default no, and they hear that like, oh, you're just kind of, kind of that they, you're almost taking the spirit out of it, and you're only doing things that are just efficient and the most maximum fruit, and kind of feels, a, not worldly, but um, but some people will kind of push back on that. And I, and I agree, I love what you said. It's, it's a tension actually of what you said. It's almost being, the real heart of it is just being willing to say no. And then that's what opens up the floodgates for the spirit to speak on the ones that are actually good stewardship. So I wouldn't call that maximizing or efficient. I'd call the Lord, the spirit just saying, that's good stewardship of who you are and where I want to place you. And then there is those ones that are, um, the world might say that isn't efficient or maximizing your talent, but just like the woman who broke the flask on Jesus's feet and wasted a year's worth of wages on King Jesus, that, that we might do that with our own lives and moments too, where it might look wasteful, but in actuality, that's exactly what the Lord wanted in that moment. And those can go well, together hand in hand, right? Um, and, and that's sometimes, complicated because we have to yes. follow God and wait on him, right? And that is yes. part of everything. And, 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 
you know, it's hard to put that on a podcast, but there's just a lot of times I just know I'm supposed to do something. I mean, yes. there's not a lot of reason. It's just, I just know it. And, and I don't know why. And, and yet I think sometimes, you know, you've got to have a grid and a little bit of a, of a, of a method of making decisions because I do think God yeah. is, is sometimes saying, Hey, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, what, yeah. what makes sense? And what, what do you want to do? I don't think he's always saying do this or don't do this about everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think what, there's that tension of following the spirit. Sometimes it's just making the wisest decision you can. Yeah. I mean, cause then you got the parable of the talents and you have all these different things that have to be held in our hand completely of man, the Lord. Yeah. But what it all comes down to is being spirit led, right? That like, what does Jesus actually want from us in that moment? I think a lot of times we want him to give us a calling for our life so that we never have to talk to him again. Right. A lot of us say mm-hmm. like, give me a calling Jesus. So that I never actually have to ask you what I need to do every day, but instead I can just go ahead and do it without you the next 10 years when Jesus actually wants us to lean on him every day for mm-hmm. what are you calling me to in this moment? Um, so I love that. Yeah. And, and another theme I'm hearing as you just keep talking is, integration, right? That you're talking about, you want to, you you know, even earlier in the podcast, you said you guys just jumped up and moved to Dallas because, you know, uh, because that wasn't a good, that wasn't good for your family. And you wanted to integrate, you wanted to integrate into that neighborhood. You wanted to integrate within a mile. You wanted to integrate, um, you know, less sports than maybe usual in the corporate kind of, I mean, in that kind of culture and age. Um, and so you're integrating being together. And that's why I, I think what's interesting is those can both be traced back to like a Genesis narrative, right? Like, the the, the mm. chaos, the primordial waters, that's disintegration. That's that's chaos, right? But then God brings beauty and order and integration. He integrates the elements into this beautiful Eden. And that's the sign of being an image bearer is actually living in integration. But it's so hard mm-hmm. in all our culture because everything is the opposite. Because when you disintegrate, yeah. you can in the immediate extract extract more fruit. Just like an assembly line, right? If you put everything in separate ways, parts, and you make you mean you know, you make the wheel over here and the hood over here and this over here and you disintegrate them, then yes, in the immediate, you can extract more fruit and make more cars, but it's disintegrated at the end. So how do you guys talk more about that? How do you um, do that? Or maybe what's the fruit of that that kind of you're like, yes, this is why we did it and it's fulfilled itself and we believe in it? Well, one of the things we showed up here and we didn't have friends really. We, we had some acquaintances and friends from a former life, but not really. We had to kind of start over and we were able to, so we we held out for several months and kind of got to know people and joined a small group and mm. really intentionally joined a small group where everyone lived within a mile of us. And so we see each other. Um, I got to go to dinner last night with some of them and we That's were awesome. in each other's lives all the time. And this feels so important. In fact, I would say now going forward in my life, this will always be essential that I am intentionally and regularly spending time with my community. And we meet a lot. We meet every other week as couples and we meet every week as women. And That's then cool. we see each other on top of that. And it just, you know, I'm so busy. There shouldn't be room for this in my life, but there, there's room because I'm making room and yeah. because this is a priority. And if I'm in town, I'm there. And if they're in town, they're there. And it is simple. We talk about what we're struggling with. We usually talk about a joy and a burden and we pray for each other and we memorize scripture, but nothing is very complicated. And mm-hmm. it has been the most simple and rewarding part of our life here because 
we needed that. We needed with how busy we are, and it could have become that we were always just doing ministry and doing the next ministry. And Zach and I both, you're right. We, you know, between us, I think we run, I don't know, like six different organizations <laughs> or more um, <laughs> businesses crazy or organizations. Global impact. So, yeah, it's weird. Um, we are weird. We're both entrepreneurs. And so, it could be that life was work and we just, we aren't yeah. that way. We like our work, but we don't love our work. Like we believe in our work or, we, or yeah. we wouldn't do it, but we aren't actually as driven as it sounds like we are. We actually love mm. Saturdays watching football at home in our pajamas yeah. with our kids. You know, like that's, that's probably our favorite day. It was so funny. I just led if lead and it was so powerful and a thousand leaders. I loved it. A thousand leaders of different ministries from around the world, like different countries. It was beautiful and amazing. But when I look back at last week, my favorite thing was that Connor came home. He literally called me driving into town right as I was driving away from leading this event. I get in the car. He's at home. We have dinner together. We go to the game the next day together. My sister's here. That was the highlight of my week. And no offense if y'all were out of if lead. Great. Like, I loved being with you. But (laughs) still, like, the highlight of my life, the greatest portion that I have are these real life people that I do real life with and nothing matters more than that. And, and I feel it in my soul, the older my kids get, right. You just, it, when they're young, it's a lot of work. When they're older, you just, you, you, you don't, you have friendship with them and you love time with mm. them so much. And so that now has become the prize. And so we really are building a life around being together as much as we can. Yeah. And another way I'm hearing too, you say is like you're building a life around relationship, even the community, the small group. Yes. And I think that's the inverse of hustle and hurry. Inverse and hustle of hurry commodifies people, dehumanizes yes. relationships, and yes. then kind of makes everything a transaction and then makes work kind of a little bit more elevated than it should be rather than like you said, just an actual gift and blessing. And it sounds like you, and I think you guys do this well, your work, you guys are actually so good at it and driven at it because you're, it's not an end to itself, but it actually, you know, yes. that work just represents relationships. There's real people in that work. And that's another uh, thing you guys value. Yes. And so I love that. Well, what, and, um, and back to the speaking thing, that was the other thing. Yeah. I was going by myself to all these cities. And you're right, Jefferson. I think we've got to do work, even in our work and our drivenness, we have to bring people around it. Because, and I tell my girls this in the office all the time. I'm like, you're my first responsibility in ministry. Yeah. You know, my kids, my family, but then it's you. And if you all aren't following God, then I'm not, you know, they're my real life disciples and the people I'm living life with then if gathering means nothing, you know? And so mm. I think sometimes we do, we we prize impact rather than what's happening right in front of us in our real life. That's so good. I want to talk about some of your guys' as rituals or spiritual practices, either individually as a family, how you kind of hold those boundaries and lines. But one last question before we move on to that, that I think is pertinent to this. One thing that I'm starting to feel and sense is that when some people start getting into this and start understanding and seeing the way of Jesus as really countercultural to all of the things we're talking about, Um, and you've even said it like you guys made enormous sacrifice for the main things like, and I think, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people can't make that jump or have a very, a lot of fear on that jump. Meaning like they have, like they're, they're basically, they're fried, they're burnt out, they're wired, you know, they're, they just, they're, 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 they're not flourishing, right? It's the opposite. They're stuck in that light, light cycle of hustle and hurry and it's kind of killing them, but they, you know, they kind of have the fear of like, but I can't just quit my job, right? Or, but I just can't move. And h- how do you respond to that? Because I, I think sometimes that is true. Sometimes the Lord doesn't want you to leave that. He wants you to find, but but I do think I'm, I'm sensing that there is sometimes when you're so at that end, you have to fight 
the pervasiveness and the toxicness of the culture with just as heavy handedness of the war of the kingdom, which is just like, I'm going to make big changes in faith and the Lord's yeah. going to carry us. But how is that, is that what you would say? Or how do you, how did you guys like get to that, that place with, those, with, with, the, with, with that. those answers? Yeah, I absolutely would agree with that. I, I think looking back at our kind of huge life change recently, and this is just two years old, uh, we went into it and we talked to a counselor about it and he he said what do you want this time to be it was an intensive like three days with he's kind of like a life coach although he wouldn't like being called that I don't I don't know his <laughs> exact title but he he said I want you to tell me what your goal is and I said my goal is that you would give me permission to quit mm. that at the end of this you would say it's okay for you to not do ministry public ministry anymore and I was that burnout and that mm. just you know, empty. Totally. And and at the end of it, I realized that there were, you know, and he and part of this was just me trusting another voice in my life. And I think sometimes we need that, like to sit down with counselors that or wise people yeah. in our lives that can say, Hey, let's look at your whole life and let's see what's working and why this is breaking down because there are there are reasons, right? Like there there's there's only so much capacity you have and if you are yeah, draining it constantly and not filling it back up there are real breakdowns that need to be solved and he the things he asked me to do and the things he told me to do were very specific and very scary and one of them was you're going to hire an executive director for everything that you're doing so executive director at if gathering you're going to hand your baby over to somebody else to lead and run every day <laughs> you know and, and yeah. I'm just saying that as an example of one of the many, many things we had to change, but it was scary. And oh, yeah. and I think what we've got to realize is pursuing a healthier life, if we are driven people, is going to be terrifying. And, and it continually is, although I have now seen the fruit of it so much that I trust the process. And I would rather not be overly involved in details that I'm not even actually good at than to and, and just the loss of that and the lack of control in that I would rather that and the peace that we have today and the fact that I can get my kids on most afternoons after school and you know just this we got our lives back and I would rather that than to continue down this road that was causing everything to break down and so I think choosing hard things and and having a time if, if you're someone listening and you're like you know what I am really burnt out and it's it's showing and I just, I, I wanna quit. You need to pull people in and really look at every part of your life and hold it all with an open hand. And all, honestly, all of us are supposed to do this. I think this is yes. like the Bible, you know, surrender and obey. It's like, there's no other way. That's that's him, you know, we, we yeah. come back to the fact that surrender and obedience is the way of Jesus. And, and I think refocusing our lives is probably a constant, a regular pursuit, but also a dramatic pursuit every once in a while. Hmm. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break to talk about one of this week's sponsors, and that is ZipRecruiter. You guys know I love ZipRecruiter. We're going to tell a fun, different story this week, and that is actually about Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, who has uh, used ZipRecruiter, and it's been amazing for him. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee, coffee company, which by the way, I wish that was my title in life. 
director of coffee. Um, but of course, he was having trouble finding qualified candidates, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. And the cool part, if you don't know, is uh, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It has technology that identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. So Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. And he also used their candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus just on the most relevant ones. And he found his new director of coffee in just a couple days, which is awesome. So uh, I don't know if you guys know, but four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So it's super awesome. So we want they want to hook you guys up. If you're a small business, entrepreneur, anyone of that nature like me, uh, it's really, really awesome. So see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes, and you can try it for free at their web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash real. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash real. R-E-A-L, ZipRecruiter.com slash real. ZipRecruiter, smartest way to hire. That's good. And when you're talking, I'm thinking of, there's a section in the book where I kind of detail the, the, uh, in the, in the Torah of the, the Shemitah, the Sabbath year where God commands Israel to take off an yes. entire year and let the, the grounds, you know, lie follow and, you know, and debts be, you know, canceled and all these different things. And, and I just kind of just asked the hypothetical question, like if God told you and he commanded you to take an entire year off, do you do we have enough faith to even say yes to that? I I feel like that's a no, right? At least for me. Like, you know, like do we cuz immediately we go to, you know, well how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do this? And it's like, well, if he commanded it, do you think he would ever leave you hanging? There's no command God mm-hmm. gives where he doesn't ever always then actually be the power to fulfill it through you. Um and I'm just like, man, even with like that's a crazy thing, right? To take off a year off of work, but I've actually known some people who have actually gone out in faith literally on that command and it's been it transformed their entire life and marriage right and i'm not saying everyone needs to do that but i think you know let the spirit speak and 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 when you trust him to do that right saying no to this this guy left you know a job at starbucks and lost health insurance and all this and the lord you know kept him through for a year but my i think it's more of a hypothetical question of are you even willing to do you do it reveals our trust levels that's really the main issue the main issue isn't do you need to do it or not the issue is do you really trust him to our job is to say surrender and obey, like you said, and then do we trust him to fulfill the rest? So I love that. I think that was so good. Mm. Um, okay, so I talk about in the book mainly a ton of practices, right? I think I, I kind of have this this bucket, I say, where kind of we, you know, to to live in the resistance, to kind of push back and swim upstream, we kind of have to have, I, I kind of say, I think we need to recover some really robust, healthy um, visions of some spiritual practices. And I talk about silence, obscurity, Sabbath, some of these other things. And there's some other mm-hmm. small things in there as well. But I'd love to hear for you either individually or as a family, what are some like, and it can be really fun, small family ones, you know, like something with a dinner. It can be like some tradition with storytelling. But what are kind of like mm-hmm. rituals traditions, or it's maybe a spiritual practice that's more traditional that you guys would say, man, this one holds us close and this one keeps us focused um, and kind of really, you know, it does what it's supposed to do. What, what Do you have any idea or what you would say on that one? Yeah. So we are those people, we're so dramatic. So we run really hard, <laughs> all of us, all four, all six of us are very, um, go-getters so every you know all the kids I raised on accident they're they're very driven and they like to change their worlds and so we will just dramatically call it and be like we need each other and we're not going anywhere for 24 hours and we're all going to be together and so one of the things we did growing up when Zach was a pastor um, we would just leave town Uh, leaving town for us 
and it never was expensive. We knew somebody that had a little place that we used in Green, Texas. It was um, yeah, it was like great. road trips and are different than getting on a plane and road hotels. Trip, yeah, and all that, it yeah. wasn't a plane to Europe. You know, it was yeah, road we trip would, itself is a fun thing. We would just spur the moment, say we're getting out of town, and our kids have the most delightful memories of Green, Texas. Um, they feel like that was like <laughs> their second little home because we just ran away all the time. And and I think having somewhere that you know you love to go that's affordable, that's fast, and you can get out of town fast, it does not need to be a lake house or second property. I think it can yeah. just be a borrowed little spot or a hotel that you love that's affordable, but some place where you can escape. And the reason I say that is because the older your kids get, the more demands come on their life and yes. they need a break. They need a break. And to get out of town, it's 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 like you can say, hey, you know, I'm not available. I'm out of town. You know, it just it yeah. gives you the uh, more authority than just we're going to be at home for a day. Mm-hmm. And and it it also causes you. I mean, we all slept in one room, you know, um, and and it causes us to just really be together. And the cost was so minimal for the memories that it made. And it just, you know, it it was it protected us in the midst of a very demanding ministry life. My husband was a pastor at the time. And so mm, that's a super just, good one. And I think, yeah, anyone, whether it's a college student listening, I like, I even know yeah. a buddy of mine who he did that in like, you know, uh, in his twenties, he just kind of would just get up and just drive somewhere. Right. Um, yeah. and just kind of yeah. like, there's something about, and what's cool, I think different than flying is I actually agree. There's something really beautiful about road trips where it, the road trip itself is like a process of magic and ritual right? Like you, yes. you kind of remember the car ride and the snacks and the, the songs Places and the funness saw, yeah. and the conversation more than a plane can do. A plane doesn't produce that. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really, that's a really, really good one on and, and making that ritualistic and a tradition over and over and over again, not only compounds those memories, but then also um, constantly is this thing you can butt up against in those seasons of busyness and tiredness, et cetera. So what would you say then well, personally? Or no, go ahead. And go people ahead. that are listening might be like us and they think, oh, I just can't put this ritual in my week or in my month or in my year. Mm. We're just not those people. Like we we just go fast and then we call it and we're like, okay, yeah. we're leaving town. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a way, especially if you know where to go and you just know this is the place we love to escape to, you don't have to plan it. You don't have to overthink it. And we are we are those parents too that put our foot down and are like, sorry, you had plans. We're leaving. Like this is, yeah. we win. Yeah. Um, yes. And, you know, they, they'll kick and scream about it for 10 minutes, but then they get out of town and they rest and they love getting away too. So the other thing we do, a couple little practices that are protective of our family. We have a a station downstairs um, where all of our devices go. And sometimes I'll just say, again, I kind of have these places that I know I can, I can just pull a, you know, a lever and say, Hey, everybody, we're going to be together. And I'm like, everybody go plug in your devices. Like we're going to be together. And so it'll be spontaneous. It's not always the same hour every day. Again, that's just not us, but, but everybody knows I can call it. Like I have Mm. the authority. Zach has the authority to say, Hey, everybody go put up your devices. Like we're going to be together. And you know, again, it'd be better that's you probably good. should have had somebody on Jefferson that like does it every day and like every week and every month. <laughs> no, and has I think that the spontaneity actually that's just not, is that's just not our reality. And so, or we just we we don't parent that way. But we are we are very very zealous for it, mm. and we get it. You know, we get it. And and Sundays are that for us. Sundays we go to church together and we go usually pick up chicken fingers and come home and rest together and be together and take a break from our phones. Um, That's probably the most regular one we have. But Mm. I just, I am someone who 
believes, and I still believe it, even though my son's in college, and I'll probably get an email about this, but I believe we have authority over our people, and yeah. and we build the you know expectation, and the expectation is we are going to be close. I mean, I say it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, we are going to be a close family, and we want you to come back and move back here because unless God calls you somewhere else, and then, of course, we're going to send you, and we're going to be excited yeah. for that calling, but I don't believe that families should go live somewhere, family members should go live somewhere because of a job, a random job or a random adventure. I think God has built something very unique in a family. And unless we're sending out, you know, a missionary to a specific calling, um, this is, this, we cause trouble together and Mm. we cause good together and we like each other. And so I really am zealous for our people and that we get time together and that we have a vision of what it looks like to be a team and to impact the kingdom of God together unless someone is called to send. And then we're still impacting the team team together. We're just sending one out. Mm. Well, now you're really speaking mine and Alyssa's love language with family teams and everyone listening knows yes. that of, yes, we agree <laughs> that like it's a multi-generational project. <clears throat> you, it, the default should be kind of living within that line, living in an area. And of course there's toxicity, there's problems, there's, there's messes and families. But if you can fight for health and there is health, you're, you're, there's a lot of joy and flourishing on the table when you actually say yes to kind of a, a multi-decade, multi-generational project in like a neighborhood or a city where your last name means something and it's been there for 200 years mm, um and that that's a powerful yeah. thing and so I, I agree and it's not that not that's not necessary and it's not a commandment but there is something that we just kind of actually th- we almost think in the west that's wrong when i'm just like it's kind of the opposite that should act- that's actually a really really huge blessing and so um last question spiritually then kind of lean into this question on more individual mindset um how do you and zach kind of then like meet with jesus talk with jesus yeah. um spend time with him um kind of have more cadences of um staying centered on him that allow you guys to really make sure that the the hustle and the hurry and the jobs and the demands don't creep in how do they how do you really make yeah. sure that those don't get overwhelming to you in a not just actual work standpoint but more mentally of just like you know identity and all those things so right now what i've done for years in fact i think i did it even when my kids were young and i didn't have a job i would get a babysitter and for a few hours on Wednesdays, it's always been Wednesdays, and I rest on Wednesdays, and I spend time with Jesus all day. The way my brain works, I'm so ADD that to get into a place of focus is a, quite a discipline. And so when I get into it, I want to stay in it for a long time. And so even when there was no producing books or anything like that, I just had this carved space where I could spend time with Jesus better in a long, uninterrupted time. And so right now, that's Wednesdays, almost always. This week is a little bit different because of a few commitments, but it is usually always that Wednesday is wide open and I have uninterrupted time to take a walk, to um, to you know listen to some podcasts, to open my Bible and sit with it as long as I want. And I think sometime in everybody's week, they just need uninterrupted margin mm. to do what they need to do. And sometimes there's sleep. Um, on some some Wednesdays, I've gone, I've take, got, you know, I've gone and worked out. I've gotten my kids to school, and then I come home and I take a long nap. Um, and that's spiritual, you know. So yes. I think having, you know, yes, I spend a little bit of time this morning. I listened to um, Dwell app on my phone, and I was in Jeremiah. Every day, I have input that is time with the Lord. But I think that margin is why I still love Jesus. I think if I didn't just have time 
to listen to music without pressure, to not produce anything, to just be with him. I think I would have lost my soul a long time ago. And then Zach Allen, I mean, you know, Zach, Jeff, he's like up in the morning, Bible open, same time (laughs) every day. That's that's Zach. But, um, you know, we're just both so different. Totally. Well, I love that. And I think, and I talk about in the book too, the need, there's kind of three different types of rhythms. There's like daily, weekly, and then what I call seasonal or yearly. And I think we overemphasize the daily, meaning I think we want the daily rhythms to save us and just be crazy big. And there's that just, that, that leads to disaster, right? If we want to try to spend two hours of quiet time every single day, um, we'll get disillusioned, we'll get bitter. We'll, you know, like I call the daily, the oxygen, right? Like you take a breath and you don't feel like life just got changed, right? You just took a breath. Um, and that's it. And it's 30 seconds and it's done and you move on and you live. Uh, but weekly, that's when you maybe, you know, have a steak dinner or something like that, right? Because a steak dinner is something that you have. And that's a more higher moment. That's kind of a more peak moment. You don't eat steak every single day. Um, and, and, and so there's kind of these different ways to think about it in metaphors. It's helpful for me, but I agree. Like there's something about that weekly one, like that peak yes. moment, whether it's a day of Sabbath or rest, whether it's a little bit longer, <clears throat> half a day of Bible study and really meeting intimately with Jesus. Cause that's what I've found too, for my personal rhythm. I'm more of a guy where, yeah, I can, I probably in the morning, I probably only spend about 20 or 30 minutes just kind of reading, thinking, journaling, praying. Um, and that goes really fast between all those disciplines, right? That means that's like five or 10 minutes of reading five or 10 minutes of thinking five or 10 minutes of kind of like praying. Um, and so I, I remember for the longest time, I just thought that felt really unholy and just like not, not long enough at all for the Lord. <laughs> um, yeah. But I feel like now, man, that's just like, it feels really rich actually, because I really enjoy it that amount, but then try to spend about a, a once a week in a lot deeper, richer, kind of more, you know, probably multi-hour, you know, it's usually usually in the mornings on my, our Sabbath where I'll just kind of really be trying to dig in and it's a little more study oriented. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that's really important for someone to have some type of flag they put in the ground in a weekly way that is some type of behavior that's filling them, that's filling mm-hmm. them with intimacy intimacy with Jesus. And that can look a million different ways. It can be individualistic. It can be with their family. But I think, man, you have to have a big weekly high point that's filling your tank and resisting um, the culture. So I love that. I love that. Well, this was super, I mean, we, me and you could probably talk for five hours and we probably will um, on our tour <laughs> yes. next year, um, which even yes. speaking of that, with the integratedness of that, that's super fun. You know, Kate's coming along, Kinsley's coming along, we're yes, bringing the family. So our kids, I know. I know, that's going to be a blast. It's going to be a so blast. Um, and it's fun to think about our kids being, you know, two different generations almost. Cause what's Kate, like 19 or 20 now? Or how well, old is she? She's 17 and she cannot wait. She, yeah, she's coming to hang out with Kinsley. So yeah, I was going to say Kinsley, I know, I know Kinsley's going to think that's Disneyland. I had to show, I showed her a YouTube video of like what a tour bus looks like and it blew yeah. her mind that she gets to have one of those little like <laughs> coffin curtain ball. beds. So um, yeah. just to finish, I, I, you know, I think even your book is a great uh, uh, kind of a, a thing to end on too. So get out of your head comes in January. And I think a lot of this leans towards the exact same theme because it starts in the mind. And so what would you say for people kind of um, ending on this episode, what they're thinking and maybe even leaning towards uh, something of that yeah. thought process of how that that book or that concept or that theme can even be helpful of like, man, it starts there and that's then how well, everything flows out. Yeah. I mean, I think about both of our, our things that we're thinking about and writing about are so similar because we both you know, we feel people in general feel victim to their schedule and to the busyness and they feel a victim to their mind and to their thoughts. And scripture is, is, it blows all that up. It says, no, you, you know, you take your thoughts captive and, and we are the ones deciding how to live. We are the ones deciding, you know, a lot of our trajectories and, and our own Mm. um, patterns and ways of thought and ways of life bleed into each other. And so, 
yeah, I'm excited for even to be together on tour because we'll be bringing both of these topics together. Yeah. And and I think they go together exactly how you say, because the main thing, the main trigger for me at the point of breakdown and wanting to um, quit was mm. I had to rest. Like to get my mind back, I had to rest. I had to find um, more margin and less responsibility in my life and to fill up more. So I just, I believe in, what you have written so much because it is it's the war right it's yeah. the enemy's coming for us and it's going to be in subtle ways and it's through yeah. our phones it's through distraction it's through even good things like ministry and busyness and they become uh bigger than than god and we think we can do more than we can so yeah i That's think good. our our minds will slow as our lives slow Yes, exactly. And I love what you said too, that it is a war. And because we've even got some pushback on the title of the book, To Hell with the Hustle. And But I tell people, I'm like, I don't mean that flippant. Like that, that, I'm, like that book is, that, that word's in scripture and I mean it. Like if, it, 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 like if hustle's not from Jesus, it can only come from another place. And that's the place of chaos right. and destruction. And it's, <laughs> and it's killing us, right? And it's absolutely yep. killing us and it's corrosive on our souls. And so I say like, it's got to go back there and we got to step into uh, a serious nature of realizing this is a war, this is a battle. And it yes. starts with kind of our daily micro ritualistic habits and liturgies, how we think, how we're forming ourselves more and more into the image of Jesus. And that ends up being who we become. So um, Jenny, thanks so much for being on. This was a blast. Instagram, uh, Jenny S. Allen, I believe, if they want to find you, If Gathering as well. Get Out of Your Head is the book coming out in January. That's super, super good. But uh, yeah, me and Alyssa, I love you guys. And uh, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, it's great to be here, Jeff. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jenny Allen. Isn't she the best? I loved some of her answers on all of those questions, and I'll be thinking about that for a while. Hey, big announcement, though. This is the last podcast episode before the pre-order bonus and freebies and goodies are gone. So when my book, when To Hell With The Hustle comes out October 15th, then all of those freebies, we got free lock screens, we got some free video bonuses, you get the three free chapters, you get a bunch of stuff um, for free. If you just pre-order one book, anywhere. So it's like, you know, $9, $10 book. And then you even get a bunch of bonus stuff with that. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, this is the last week to pick up all that. So it's super easy. Ebook, audiobook, and print book. They're all included. Pre-order anywhere you want. And then just send us your receipt at tohellwiththehustlebook.com. That's tohellwiththehustlebook.com. Send us your receipt. You get everything instantly. Bunch of bonuses, bunch of freebies. It's kind of like a total why not. So love you guys. Have a great day.